together. Jesus, as we hear those words today, it sends all kinds of emotions through our spirit. Realize that we're people that have been called to come back to our homeland. People who are returning back to that original word, to that original faith so that we can go home. You said, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. We thank you for that spiritual aspect that you did come again in the form of the Holy Ghost and that you said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But there's still a longing in our hearts to see you, Lord. For it all be over for the night, the darkness to be over. As Israel long persecuted and all in dispersal, even so, Lord, mankind has been long away from you. But return back to that Eden condition. Return back to where we fell from. It's been the hope of the world, the hope of every every movement of God. Oh, that we could be the ones to return. As the Jews have said for years after years, next year Jerusalem, and now, Lord, they're seeing it little by little manifest. They're in the land. They're almost possessing every promise. But oh, for the Messiah to come to them. Lord, the same with us. We've been returned to the land and we possess every promise. So many of them, Lord. But yet, Lord, for the Messiah to return. For Jesus to come back. There's a longing in our hearts for it. I just pray, Lord, you'll bless us today as we look into the Word. Lord, oh God, may there be a longing in every heart and life. Oh God, in the darkness of the night be dispelled. Lord, you know, oh God, the enemy would come in like a flood, but also like a flood, the Holy Spirit will raise a standard against him. There's more of us than there is of them. Because greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. I pray that you'll move in lives and hearts today and dissolve doubts and take away confusion. Lord, let us believe with all our hearts. Let us respond as believers. Moving in the realm of the Holy Ghost, we pray in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. And we commit ourselves to you in this service. I pray that you'll bless those that are listening out in the other lands way out and wherever they are, whether it be in the dark places of Africa, down in the Philippines, Lord, wherever they are around the world, oh God, where you've got a bride, it doesn't matter whether we call the area, but you know, God, the exact needs that people have. Lord, even down in the Slavic lands, Lord, that they're crying out to God for a revival in their hearts. I pray today, there come an appearing of the Lord Jesus among them. You'll move on the situations, people's lives and hearts. Bring deliverance to your children. There are those that have gathered here today. Some have driven hours to be here. But they're here. They're in the presence of God. And in your presence, things happen. Oh, God, when you come, something good always happens.
And we're looking for that something good today for you to move in the, on the behalf of your children, changing lives. Bring us back home, Lord. I pray, Lord, even if there be a backslider, maybe someone that has never come to really know you, don't really know what the real homeland is, may they come back home today. We give it to you now as we surrender our lives to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. And it's good to be in the house of the Lord together today and be able to express our love to him. Amen. Good to see each one that has gathered with us today and praying that you will be blessed in his presence. Amen. Thank you. Amen. We appreciate the Lord and his goodness to us. And uh, he just gets better all the time. The songwriter said he's sweeter as the days go by. And I, I believe that you will find him so like that today that he will be sweeter as the days go by. Amen. God knows every situation, every need. Amen. As you pray today, I just got a prayer request in for a dear friend that's got a need. And you just ask the Lord to undertake for that as I have been praying. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. We want to read from today, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. I want you to watch these words, appeared to all men. The grace of God that bringeth salvation, deliverance, hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. This morning, we're going to be speaking on the rapture exodus as we are looking into the Word of God and believing that He will speak to us through the Word. I believe that we're still in a time of grace to the Gentiles that brings salvation and that this is available to all men. In fact, the matter is the call that goes out in this last day is to every nation, kindred, tongue, tribe, and people. Is not exclusive to one race, is not exclusive to one country, but it's all inclusive to all the world. I think, um, you know, it's uh, very important to recognize that Brother Branham would um, tell us when he spoke in Life Tabernacle uh, in 1965, he said, you know, the, the seals have been opened and the church in its present condition cannot fulfill the Great Commission. And he said it took the opening of the seven seals, which, of course, we know would reveal and take the seals off the book, where that we could see the gospel as Paul preached it. And the gospel had to return so that the end could come. And, of course, um, you know, many of us look back in our time of life. I know uh, myself as a young man, uh, just um, even as a child, knowing the Holy Scriptures and knowing Many of the things, haven't heard the message that was preached. We believe that the coming of the Lord was, was uh, imminent. And, you know, God had sent a prophet and a message, so, hey, we were leaving. What we didn't realize, of course, is that 
God had other people whose name was in the book who had not been yet manifested on the earth and he had to stay there as the intercessor and the mediator on our behalf um, until every name that was in that book had found its place in redemption. And I, some of you that are sitting here today could, can really say, I, I'm really glad the Lord didn't come back then because uh, I, wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been a part of the great plan of God. Amen. But because that God has tarried, and remember this is all has to do with his coming. Peter even explained that why that there was a delay. And he said it's because of the long suffering of God who waited in the days of Noah. And he said that the same thing is happening. Of course, Peter didn't realize that it would be seven church ages as God would deal with the Gentiles in a similar way that he had done with the Jews. And in this time, call out a people for his namesake and then bring it about to the end of the Gentile dispensation and the gospel return back to the Jews. But right now, we are still in the time of the grace of God that brings salvation, and it's available to all men. There will come a time, of course, that, um, you know, that it will not be available to all men because once the rapture takes place, the gospel turns back to the Jews. And as it does, there will not be another Gentile saved. There will be people will be in the condition, you know, as those that were filthy are filthy still. Those that are holy are holy still. So those who were living sanctified lives will continue on in their sanctified life, give their life in the tribulation period, be hunted down by the beast system as it is spoke about in Revelation chapter 12. So you see, um, but however, this grace has been given to us. It's the favor of God. When we say grace, it means favor. And God has favored us, and this favor teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to live soberly, which means in moderation, with self-restraint, righteously, and godly in this present world. In other words, this grace brings us into the hidden life with Christ while we're living in this present world. So um, we have been talking about the hidden life and and uh, our walk with him, and we have here uh, today the, the Emmaus walk, which I think is appropriate with this because um, as, as the walk is going on, he is appearing among us and revealing himself. But yet um, he still promises to come again and, and this time to receive us to himself. And so there is a great expectation of this rapture exodus that we're talking about. And uh, as, uh, as Israel many thousand years ago was going back to their homeland, we too and are in a time where the Jews have returned to their homeland. We're returning to the homeland of the Bible. But, you know, even more than that, there's a greater homeland than we're going to. And that is, is that we're going to leave this sin-cursed world of sorrow, pain, and death, and sickness, and we're going into the realms of the blessed. And it's promised for a people. It's been promised now for, for seven church ages 
that they have watched for them. And each one of the watchmen of the night in the seven watches would announce of what, what was happening in the night and well, you know, the dangers and the expectations they had for the coming of the Lord. And certainly he would appear to them in, in revelation as he did to Luther, the just shall live by faith. And he would appear to Wesley, but you must be holy. And he would appear to Azusa Street. But um, you, you, must, uh, you, you must be um, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are yours and all of this. And then he, he would appear in the great divine healing movements and reveal himself. I am the Lord God that healeth thee. If I can heal cancer and open up the eyes of the blind, I can change your body in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. So you see, all of these things was all a part of this great walk that God has done with the church and, and, and leading us to the point of where that he becomes known among us as to who he is. Now, in other, and so we are, we're looking, you know, for the expectation or the fulfillment of this promise. The glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's our hope today. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 25, we find that back in when he came the first time, there were people that were waiting for the coming of the Lord. This, the Bible said that there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him. So if there were people in that day expecting the Messiah to come who were devout men waiting for the consolation of the promise and, and the Holy Ghost was upon them. I believe that God will have a people in this day who will be just and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost upon them. We also see in verse 30, 38 of chapter 2 of Luke that there was Anna, that she was, she coming in also gave thanks to the Lord and spake of him to all them that look for redemption in Jerusalem. So God always has a people that are looking for his coming. They are under expectation of his appearing. And, uh, and, and, you know, as I have said, um, uh, you know, making remarks about that, I just want to bring it back in again today. But I, I know that we have preached about the coming of the Lord for many years. And I certainly have done my share of preaching on the coming of the Lord. And he's come for many. Amen. There's been a many lay right in front of the, the, the altar at this church, whether here or other location, and we, we put them down in the ground. He came for them. And we don't know when he'll come for you. But in spite of all of that, he's coming for a people that has made themselves ready. Now, but you see, we are waiting for the morning to break and the day to fully dawn. And it's a time of great darkness, yet contrasted by the coming of a great light. The scripture would say in Isaiah 60, he says, Arise and shine, for thy light is come. 
yet gross darkness is upon the people. So, you know, there is a day that is dawning, but yet a time of darkness. And Brother Branham said it would be like that, a heavy press upon the people and great darkness upon the land. But yet, in the, this seems paradoxical, but that there can be light in the time of darkness. But you remember Jesus came and he said, the light shone in the darkness, but the darkness comprehendeth it not. So you see, uh, even the coming of John the Baptist was the coming of a great light that would come in the world which shed light on the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. And even the, the ministry of John the Baptist in this day, as God has repeated the same it has shown great light upon the scriptures, upon the word of God that has to do with the coming of the Messiah. Never forget that the very purpose of this message was to forerun his second coming. So you remember this is a whole, the whole purpose of, of the message of the hour is to prepare a people to, be, to get ready for the coming of the Lord. And, and, of course, in that time, it's, a, it's a, a day of darkness, and many times we're affected by the darkness. Just like, um, you know, the, the children of Israel, as they gathered that night for the Passover, no doubt they were affected by the darkness. They were affected by the long night. And the weariness of, of the whole night long, staying prepared, you know, with, eating with, their, with the staff in their hand, shoes on their feet. And they had to do this until the call out for the morning. And so, you see, there, we have been instructed not to be asleep in this Passover hour. And some have all but quit eating the lamb and drinking of that fruit of the vine, the life of Christ, the stimulation of revelation, of being filled with the Holy Ghost. And they have relaxed and taken their shoes off their feet and have laid their staff down. Maybe we're not going to need it after all. And we can see a lot of times in our body language or our behavior. Uh, of, of how we treat one another, of what's going on in our marriages or in our homes or the way that we go about daily life, we are actually reflecting our readiness or our lack of readiness to meet the Lord. Amen. Remember when, when we have our mind on the coming of the Lord, there's no room for marriage problems and, and trouble in home and, and teenage rebellion. When, when everybody's mind is on the Lord and his coming and, and getting ready for that, you know, there's no bickering and, and fussing and going on that, that is happening. But you are you're pre preparing for that great day and the blessed appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. But remember, you see, the Bible said in Luke chapter 21, verse 34, but take heed to yourself. You're going to have to watch yourself in this hour. Listen, any time your, your heart will be overcharged with surfiety and drunkenness and the cares of this life so that that day come upon you unaware. 
You've got to be careful about the business of life. There's got to be a balance, a moderation. When we come to dealing, we can't become hermits. We can't go and read our Bibles 24-7. We cannot stick ourselves in a, uh, you know, in a cloister somewhere or hide our family out uh, away from all of the evil. We're right here. We have to walk in, the, in this time of life. We have to live in the world. We have to rub shoulders with the world. But at the same time, stay prepared to meet the Lord. Amen. And we should be doing everything we could as, as men and women to show to the world what it means to be a Christian. Because as Brother Branham would tell us, we're the only Bible some people will ever read. And don't you preach me a sermon, you live me a sermon. Amen. Let it live out of your life with a, godly, a godliness and a godly leadership. As I, as I told you some weeks ago, you know, temper breeds temper and hate breeds hate, but love will breed love. And all of these things is all a part of our Passover life. And it's really important that we stay in, in connection with God and our spirit soft and, and forgiving and kind and loving and, and understanding and, and giving and bearing with one another and, and being patient and long-suffering. It's all a part of it. It's all a part of the Christian life. It's all a part of this journey. It's all a part of being ready to meet the Lord. I'm soft and I'm, I, I'm sensitive to the Spirit and, and I, I, I can move in the, the realm of the Holy Ghost and I'm easy to let go of grudges and forgive and let go and put sin behind me and wickedness and evil thoughts. Amen. Now, so you see, he, he would say, it, it, it will be in the time of Laodicea, which is Revelation 3.15, and he warns us, I know your works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and I would that thou wert cold or hot. So because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Those who are lukewarm cannot speak for him. They cannot be his mouthpiece. He will not be the one he lives in accent. He will not abide in a lukewarm vessel. Now, so he said, I'll spew you out of my mouth because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So you see, this was their condition. I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing, but you, we don't see our spiritual condition. You've got plenty on one hand, but you're lacking on the other. And you see, again, it's finding that perfect balance of, of moderation in your life where that your quest isn't for material things, but you have a quest for spiritual things. But yet you don't get to the point you're so spiritual-minded that you're of no earthly good. So you see, it's finding that perfect balance. It's, it's, it's walking, a walk like the Emmaus walk. You balance, you step here, you get your balance, you step here, you get your balance, you step here, you step here, you get your balance, step again, you take your balance. And the whole walk with God is a balanced walk. 
Most things that has problems in people's lives is because they're out of balance. They have the wrong expectations. And they are not realistic about their expectations. They're not realistic about their expectations of their mates. And they expect them to be faultless. And mates aren't faultless. Neither mine nor yours. And I ain't going to talk about your, my, mine right now. And I really don't want to hear about yours at this moment. But we all have them. Amen. Not only does your mate have them, you got them. And it's a lot easier to see them in her or him than to see them in yourself and to deal with the issues inside. Amen. Well, you say that's pastoral. Well, guess who I am? Amen. Now, Jesus said, make your treasures in heaven. Or can we say it this way? Make heaven your real treasure. Amen. You know, here, here's the thing. You know, everything you should do, it should be to reflect him. To reflect him in your home. Reflect him in your life. Reflect him in your marriage. Reflect him in your, your, your parental um, uh, ways, what, what, whatever you do there. Let me just say something. Somebody asked me a question about that because we were talking about, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to, you don't cast out a devil by using a rod. And I'll tell you, sometimes you cast out a devil by using a rod. You know, again, because you, this, the same scripture, the scripture says, spare the rod, you spoil the child. But let me tell you, when they begin to get young adults and teenage years, your time of whooping is about over with. If you ain't got it in them now, all the whippings in the world you're going to do ain't going to do no good. Amen. It's just using that switch when it's needed when they're young. Amen. And also recognizing when, when I, I really need to take a hold of this and pray about it. Again, it's a balance. Now, so, um, you know, some people can't find the balance, but this is a Christian walk, a balanced walk. So, again, make heaven your real treasure. I'd like to look at Luke 12 and verse 34. And for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So keep your heart set on heaven. Keep your heart set on leaving here. You know, go through life, do whatever you got to do. You know, I mean, if you marry a wife, if you, if you take a job, whatever, just keep one thing in focus. Let my, my real heart be heaven. My real desire, the main focus in my life, be heaven. And see what I can do to bring heaven down in my home. Heaven in my life. Heaven in my family. Amen. Heaven in my children. And don't forget this church. Let's bring heaven down in this church. How many feels that way this morning? I want to do everything that I can. My real heart is to bring heaven down in this church. Let the glories of God just come and fill this place by filling his people. And then he says, let your loins be girded about. Do you notice? Eat the Passover with your loins girded about. And in other words, to run this race, as you see 
these, these men in the, in the robes of their day, and, and, and when they would go to run their journey, they would pick up, pick up the tail of that and tuck it down in their belt. And by tucking it down in their belt, it would not hinder their, their uh, ability to run. And this is what he's saying, let your loins be girded about and your lights be burning. And that's what we ought to strive to do is everyone to be a burning light. Not with an experience of yesterday, but a fresh and up-to-date experience with God. And ye yourselves like unto men, be, be like unto men that wait for their Lord. Now you be like this, someone waiting for Jesus to come back. Amen. And when he shall return, will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, that they may open unto him immediately. Now, you know, we're only taking this parable in this sense. And Jesus said, be like it. When a man, a bunch of servants, their Lord has went away and he's going to be out late. And we don't know just what hour that he's coming back. But, you know, be ready, you know, that when he cometh and he knocketh, that they may open to him the door immediately. That they can recognize that little knock or that familiar lock. Amen. A familiar knock upon their lives and open the door immediately. Oh, how easy it is sometimes to just put things off. For another moment, another time, or be so busy about that or this that we fail to answer the knock. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall come, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. I tell you, if there's anything, I want to be at that great marriage supper of the Lamb, don't you? Amen. Don't you want to be there at that table that would have to spread for thousands of miles long? Don't you want to be there with the king when he comes down and he wipes the tears off of our eyes and say, it's all over, child, don't cry no more. Amen. Don't you want to be there on that day? Amen. Now notice he said, blessed or happy are those servants whom the Lord cometh and shall find watching. It's these he's going to serve at the marriage supper. He will set them down and serve them. Oh, my. And he shall come, and it becomes in the second watch. Well, now that's from 10 to 2 a.m. Or in the third watch, that's from 2 a.m. to sunrise. And find them so blessed are those servants. And let me just bring it down to our watches because this is not a night like that. This is the seven church ages. And we and our the watch of this night is divided into seven watches. And we are in the seventh watch or the seventh church age. Now, the first age expected him. He didn't come. Second age expected him. He didn't come. Third age expected him. He didn't come. Fourth age expected him. He didn't come. All the way down to where we're now in the seventh. 
and there's no more watches. This is the last one. Now we know he wasn't coming in Paul's age. Paul didn't know that. Now we know he wasn't coming in Irenaeus' age. Irenaeus didn't know that. But he was faithful to his watch. Amen. Kept, kept the door closed to the wrong things. Waited for the knock. Are you with me? Amen. Now we know he wasn't coming to John Wesley's age. Now we know we're it. This is the watch he's coming in. So now we know, we know that we're in the time of his coming. Hallelujah. Amen. And we know we're running out of time. And this is what he said. And this know, verse 39, he said, And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore already also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. So this is the time of his coming. And he's coming still in an unexpected moment. Now, so it's a time of preparations. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you know mom and dad's coming home, and you've got a bunch of kids in the house, and they know they were to get certain things done before mom and dad got back home. Right? They had been given chores and responsibilities, and they know they ain't got them done. And said it's... Here is what he's saying. Don't be caught unawares. Don't be caught with things not prepared, not ready for him to come back. Now, you see, Brother Branham would use certain terms and, and, and he would tell us, you know, it's an hour that is nest cleaning time. All the rottenness, all the world, all of sin, all of unbelief has just got to be cleaned out. Amen, because we, we got to make preparations for his coming. Just like these kids are cleaning the nest and getting things ready for mom and dad to get back. You know, we, we, we've got things out of the fridge and we've scattered things on the floor and we've got the toys out of place. We've got to get it all back in order before Jesus comes. Are you with me? Now, Brother Branham said, like a chicken, it can lay an egg. A hen can, but if she hadn't been with the male bird, the rooster, it'll never hatch. It's infertile. Though it looks exactly like a real fertile egg, every nature of it looks the same, but it hasn't got life in it. And that's the way with people who profess Christ. Many of them look like Christians, try to act like Christians, but you've got to have Christ on the inside of you, which is the Word made manifest or it'll never mature into a real Bible-believing Christian. It'll always be a denominational something. You know, in a denominational hybrid, you take a, you know, unless you just say a Baptist, yeah, we'll just use him for example. Well, you know, church is good enough to come on, on um, um, church is good enough to come to on, on uh, Easter Sunday or Christmas Day or 
Well, not Christmas Day because that interrupt with our program. So, you know, but Christmas Eve maybe or, you know, and it just becomes a matter of something we can do with or do without. And it's a good description of rotten eggs, people who haven't been with the mate. Because when you've been with the mate, there's a burning in your heart. I want to serve God. I want to get with other believers. I want to be in a place where heaven comes down. They are there Sunday. They are there Wednesday. They are, they are not only living their lives there, but they're also through the weeks. They're Christians at home. They're Christians at work. Everywhere that you look, if they're at school, they're Christians. No, no matter what it is, circumstances don't change it. Amen. But now, again, it can't live because there's no life in it to live. Uh, an egg cannot hatch. It rots right in the nest it has a, if it hasn't been with the male bird, just like members of the church. You can baby them and call them and make deacons and everything else, and you'll have a nest full of rotten eggs unless they're mated with the mate. Notice he would say a great storm began to take place, doubts Begin to come in, frustration comes in. That's what happens. See, hybrid again. You know what? An original plant, you don't have to spray it. No, sir, bugs won't get in it. it is, it's that hothouse plant that you have to spray, and that's what's the matter. You have to spray and baby and pet around with so-called Christian. Tell them you can't do this. Oh, well, I'll tell you I got it right. There you are. That's a hothead plant. Hot, hothead Hot house plant, hot headed too. Amen. They can't stand nothing in the beginning. What you need is an original, old digging out and tearing down and clean out the nest and start over. Amen. You say, well, Brother Tim, you, what are you trying to do? Some, throw some rotten eggs out of this church? I'm trying to get you to throw the rotten eggs out of your life. Amen. You'd be all right if you'd get the Holy Ghost. It ain't you we want to get rid of. It's the rottenness. It's the sin. It's the unbelief. It's the slackness. It's the lukewarmness. It's the Laodicea that we want to get out. Amen. You said we need a baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I don't mean a dry handshake, and I say that. That's what people need a real fresh, up-to-date experience. That's what I need. That's what we all need. Say, so have you get the Holy Ghost? Yeah, I shook hands with the pastor. When I accepted Jesus as my Savior, brother, that ain't Bible doctrine. Said so Paul took a bunch of good thoroughbred Baptists up there, and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Not when you believe, but after you believe, have you received the Holy Ghost? It's a personal experience that comes, and when that great, unchangeable God sent his message down, he never changes. Amen. So, so again, Brother Brandon would say this. Now, I, I've got a point to bring it about the coming because he says you've got to get in contact with the mate, Christ Jesus, who brings the fertility to the spirit of life that's in you. He's the one that makes you believe and clean out the nest and start all over again. You pat them on the back, take them in, make them deacons, married four or five times, everything, 
what the world we come into anyhow. Send them off to seminary, inject some of that embalming fluid into them and bring them back. And here the other day an estimation showed that 99% of the Protestant preachers through the nation don't believe in the literal second coming of Christ. 87% deny the, new, the virgin birth. Think of that. What of our children going to face out yonder? God, give us, get us back to the faith again that was once delivered to the saints. So the faith once delivered to the saints, it'll make preachers who believe in the literal second coming of Christ. It'll make believers who believe in the literal second coming of Christ. No matter how much we have spiritualized it and see of the epiphany of his appearing here or a great revelation there, that ain't his coming. There is a meeting in the air. There is a change of our body. There is a resurrection of the dead. And we must keep that under our expectation. Amen. God give us back to that faith. Now, today, many preachers, even message preachers, have marginalized and trivialized and so treat the actual physical return of Jesus Christ as something insignificant and unimportant, and they've replaced it with just some spiritualized, mentalized coming until we got message people who don't even believe in the literal coming of Jesus Christ anymore. And I just say and echo the words of Brother Branham, God, get us back to the faith again that was once delivered to the saints. Now, in Egypt, there was a mixed multitude that left Israel. But not this time. There's not going to be no mixed multitude go. Amen. And back to the matter is, the rapture is a judgment. I'll take one and leave one. And I want you just to keep this in mind. It is a judgment. God will judge the heart, and he'll take one and leave one. Amen. All over the world, he'll take one and he'll leave one. Perhaps in, in homes, he'll take one and leave one. Perhaps in churches, he'll take one on the pew and leave the other. In fact, in this service, some will be taken and some will be left. Amen. In every service, the Holy Spirit goes to move, and, and some gets taken by the Holy Spirit, and some are just left. And I want to be one that gets taken every time. Are you with me now? Amen. So you see, the elect, though, will escape the coming judgments, and those judgments will begin at the resurrection of the dead. And, and, and again, there's going to be a judgment there because all who are supposedly saints aren't going to rise. Just the elect. Everybody who followed Wesley's message is not going to rise. Everybody who followed Azusa Street ain't going to rise. Some of the preachers that followed in Azusa Street ain't going to rise. Some of the people in Paul's day ain't going to rise. He, there again, you know, in itself, it will be a judgment. There will be some taken, some left. All who we bury and pray over and say, God bless him, and he was a good man or a good woman, ain't going to rise. 
but there's going to be a resurrection. And so you see, the elect will escape the judgment, and these judgments will begin at the resurrection of the dead in Christ. As I said, it begins with the judgment there. It moves right on to the living, and I'll take one and I'll leave one. I'll take one and I'll leave one. Because God knows the sincere at heart. He knows those that are his. So now, there will be mourning and death and dying all over the land of Egypt. The six sealed judgments of God will be that began in a spiritual manner. And, and, and let's just understand, at the rejection of the message, judgment hit the church of God. Judgment begins at the house of God. Amen. A call says, come out of her, my people. Because judgment began at the house of God, at the rejection of the word. And there, a, a, a great earthquake, and, and we left that on account of it. Amen. And he took some, and he left some of our friends there. Is that right? It separated us some from some of the best. He took some, and he left some. Because, you, again, this is not going to be a mixed multitude. Now, of course, you know, the six-sealed judgment, um, you know, will, will then, that's, that began in a spiritual aspect, striking the church, will turn physical. And, and I want to talk about today that there are two events that will take place within a very short time of each other. From what I understand, perhaps less than three and a half years of each other. One of them is a rapture in which there will be various forms of his appearing that will finally materialize into the literal physical Corporal coming of Jesus Christ where we will meet him in the air. And the other is his coming where he will come to take the world over again. One of them he comes, he, he does not come to the earth, we meet him in the air. And the other he comes to the earth for the millennial reign. But we are in the, the midst of, of two great Comings, and I just want to say you're going to be a part of one or the other. And fact of the matter is, is some of you are going to be a part of both of them. Amen. Because those that are part of the rapture will be a part of his second coming. Amen. Because we'll be coming back with him as pictured in Revelation 19. Amen. Whether, whether it's spiritual or physical, I really care not. But, but here the word comes riding in power on white horses and his saints with him. And he comes as king of kings and lord of lords. And I'm coming back with him. I'm a part of that coming. But in order to be there with him, I've got to leave here first. Because I have to go there to come from there. I'm just going to give an announcement. I'm going away. And I'm coming back. 
without you. How many can say, I'm going away, but I'm coming back? And that's where my treasure is. I'm getting to go away with him because he's my treasure. And I'm getting ready to go away so I can come back again. Now, we have all heard of the coming of the Lord where there will be weeping and wailing, gnashing of teeth and crying for the rocks and the mountains. We have heard of his coming where the cars will stop and planes will fall and he'll come in the great clouds of glory. And I just want to pass a little warning over to you and anybody listening to me and all the message preachers out across the land, don't mock that. He will come. And in that coming, planes will fall, traffic will stop, the earth will burn as an oven, and all who do wickedly will burn as an oven. But that ain't the rapture. Amen. The rapture is the resurrection of the dead in Christ into this dimension. The living changed and together be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And that is a secret coming. It is one the world will not see and they will not know about. But just a short time after the rapture, the second coming of the Lord will take place where he again will physically come and this time he'll come to the earth. It won't be a meeting in the air. And this time the world that we know will come to an halt and it will burn as an oven. Now, when it comes for the church in the great rapture that is promised a meeting in the air, the world will go on as usual. Churches will open on, open up as usual. Amen. I, I hope that there is a huge absence at Evening Light Tabernacle. That would be my prayer that, you know, there won't be nobody to show up. It would be my prayer that people would pass by and say, huh, that's funny, they ain't having church there no more. You know, missing people that's come up missing. What happened to them funny people? Did that, did that old, oddball preacher really pass out a bunch of drinks to them and some Kool-Aid or what, what happened to them people? They're gone. But there's going to be some missing people. And I, will, I don't want to be found. Except by those who are also changed. Now there is a terrible spirit of unbelief that permeates this age and this time that wants to remove this hope from the church. These are scoffers. Second Peter 3 and 3 said, knowing this first, that there should come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers have fallen asleep or fell asleep, all things continue as it were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant. Willingly ignorant. These people are ignorant. Willingly. Because there's too much word that tells us otherwise. 
And God's done so many things in this generation to get us ready, to prepare a people for his coming, to send a message of his appearing and the coming of the Lord. You know, I, I was just blowed out of my, uh, you, you know, just blowed away. When, when I heard of, of one preacher who seems who's supposed to be a message preacher that, that declared waiting to meet the Lord in the air is a Pentecostal pack of lies. It's not a pack of lies. It is the hope and the expectation of every true believer. And these are only scoffers who, who are part of this coming. They have to be there. We have to have scoffers to, to marginalize and make trivial the rapture and so treat the actual physical return of Jesus as something insignificant and unimportant. But I want you to understand as a church today, this is of vital importance and it can't be overemphasized and it can't be preached enough. Amen. My Lord is coming back like he said. Amen. There is a trumpet of sound. You say, ah, a trumpet, yeah. The dead in Christ shall rise at the last trump. And we shall be changed. Amen. From mortal to immortality. From corruption into incorruption. And by the way, your prophet said that's what believers believe. Now, Brother Branham said in a message from that time, he said, how many knows there's a difference between the appearing of Christ and the coming of Christ? This time right here, he was appearing to those on the way to Emmaus. It was an epiphany. It was his appearing. He appears in another form. Their eyes were withholding from. But this is not his coming that he promised. It was part of it. I will come to you. I won't leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. It was part of his word. He did say he would come back. He, and he did. He appeared to them. But this time, he's coming back for a people. I come to receive you to myself because I want you where I am. Aren't you glad that's his heart desire? That he wants you where he is. I got better plans for you than Laodicea. I got better plans for you than the fire that's going to fall. I have plans to come again. And to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Oh, this is more than a funeral scripture. This is a prophecy. And somebody's going to fulfill that prophecy. No matter how long it waited and how long the vision tarries, it shall come to pass. It's the word of the Lord. And heavens and earth will pass away, but his word can never fail. Somebody with me now? But he said, how many knows there's a difference between the appearing of Christ and the coming of Christ? It's two different words. Now the appearing, the coming will soon be. And he's appearing in the midst of us, doing the works that he once did in his church. That's him appearing. 
Hallelujah. When he comes and fills a person with the Holy Ghost, he appears there in the form of the Holy Ghost appearing among us. When he comes and heals our sick, he's appearing. Hallelujah. On the, way to, on the way to church this morning, as we were reading some of the things of the problem of God, he came and appeared in our car. That was his appearing. Amen. But the coming will soon be. He's appearing in the midst of us, doing the works that he once did in his church. Now you're a part of that church, and by grace, you believe it. And I'm a member of that church. He said, I'm not a preacher. You know that. I have not the education to do it. I sometimes feel reluctant standing here by men of God who's called that office. They're apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. And not all are apostles, not all are prophets, not all are teachers, not all are evangelists. I'm standing here. But my ministry is different ministry from a pastor or a teacher. I'm not. And if I say things wrong, brethren, forgive me. I don't mean it. But this is my ministry, see, to declare him that he's here. And that was the ministry of Malachi 4 was to declare he's here among us. He's in his church. He's moving in his people. He's there to heal our sick. He's there to encourage the discouraged. He's there to lift you up above the shadows. He's there to heal your homes and your marriages and your children and to bring you all back home. He's here among us. Amen. And he's here to heal and to deliver and to save and to give joy unspeakable and full of glory. He's here in the midst of his church. Oh, I believe he'll appear in this service this morning. I believe he's appearing among us now. And we should love his appearing. Amen. That's my ministry, to declare he's here. And let me just say, he has appeared in the form of the word coming to a prophet. He is appearing now in the body of believers called the bride. He's appearing right now in Evening Light Tabernacle. This has been a part of his appearing. Brother Branham would say and then and identified Christ of all ages. He said in the true born again church in this hour is the living word of God. It's the word of this age made manifest. Search the scriptures and see what's supposed to be in this age. There is Christ living again, just changing his mass from one to the other. So there it is, you know, the Holy Spirit just changing his mask from one to another. For a while, he would use the mask of William Branham. Amen. He would be a prophet to our generation, but he would lay that mask down and take on a bright body that he would work through. Amen. Not saying that the fullness was ever in Brother Branham because even when he was here, he was working in a bright body. Amen. But we just saw it in a magnified way in that ministry because we saw the ministry of Jesus Christ repeat itself. You, know, you, can never, you can never end this age and say this age went out without seeing the ministry of Jesus Christ. The Son of Man revealed himself. The Word revealed itself. He used the prophet, used a, a little Kentucky preacher Oh, yeah, he could have done like he appeared to Abraham and, said, and just spoken and, and gathered up 
you know, the elements is, as Brother Branham would call, 16 elements there, and put them together and poof and step into a body and walk right down among them and, to, and discern the thoughts of, of Abraham. You see, he did it that way then because there was nobody redeemed yet. There was, there was no one that was fully redeemed. Every person was still under sin nature. Hadn't been born again. The new birth wasn't in the Old Testament. But in the new covenant, when we come down, God did not. God did not take and, and take 16 elements and put them together and poof and step in them and walk down and appear among us. God took a little, a little Kentucky preacher and he would use his body to show us his appearing. Now, I was there. I was there in the meetings. I was there when Brother Branham would turn his back to the congregation and discern the hearts of the people. I was there. But I knew that wasn't William Branham. I knew Brother Branham couldn't do that. When he calls out a little sister that I I would lay my, uh, my head down in her lap as a young boy in church and go to sleep as a five, six, seven-year-old child. And he called this little lady out and tell her what her trouble was and what she suffered with and what her name was. And knowing, knowing her and knowing he didn't know it, I knew that wasn't William Branham that knew that. That was God knew that. But he was just using a vessel that he could speak through. But God wants to use your vessel, not in a prophetic office, but as a homemaker, as a, as a wife, as a husband, uh, whatever, to portray him as a young person, to portray him in this generation. God wants to use your body, and he's going to appear among us. Hallelujah. He's going to appear among us. Are you with me? But he's not going to speak bodies to live in. He's going to cleanse your body, fill you with the Holy Ghost, and you be the person that God speaks through and lives in and moves in and models his word in to a dying generation. Now it's your time to be his mask. Soon, this appearing, where he's appearing in bride members, he'll finally appear in the last one. The last one. Last living one. They'll have their appearing. You know, Peter could talk about his appearing. He appeared to me. Mary Magdalene could talk about her appearing. He appeared to me. I was there. I was in the garden. I didn't recognize him. But when I heard his voice, I said, Rabboni. Each one had their appearing, and Paul would say, and I've had my appearing. I was on the road to Damascus. I was going the wrong direction. I was persecuting the elect. I was doing all the wrong things, but he appeared to me. Hallelujah. And he smote me off my high horse and put me down in the dust. And he appeared to me and his light came upon me and changed my life and made me a new creature. And now I'm preaching to those I once hated. And I'm preaching a gospel I once despised. And he could say, I remember when he appeared to me. 
and he appeared to me, and he appeared to me. And you can remember when he appeared to you. And one day, he will appear to the last one. Now, there's Thomas is sitting here that said, unless I do this and that, well, I'll never believe. Unless I can do this so that if I don't jump and I don't shout, if I don't run the aisle, if I don't speak in tongues, or if I don't feel a certain, I'll never believe. There's a lot of Thomases. But even Thomas, he appeared to him. If you got to speak in tongues, I'll let you speak in tongues. If you got to shout, I'll let you shout. If you got to run the aisles, I'll let you run the aisles. But I'm going to appear to you. Because I'm not leaving one of my elect behind. Glory! I'm not leaving a one behind. I'm not leaving a hook behind. Every one of my elected is going in this rapture, and I will appear to them in their own special way. Because disappearing here wasn't nothing like the appearing when, the, when he appears to his twelve. And it isn't like the appearing to Mary Magdalene. There's different things said, different things done, different things. So he appears to us all. I remember when he appeared to me. And he appeared. And now he's here. Now he's here. He's been appearing nearly 50 years of ministry. It's his appearing, but it's not his coming. He's still coming. There's really going to be a meeting in the air where the appearing materializes in a physical form. Now, soon he will appear. The dead in Christ will rise for the meeting of the air, Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was written twain from top to bottom. We've done a, a whole series there on, the, on how the veil got rent and how God let people see what was there and the power of God and the blood on display, all of that. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were opened. And many of the bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the city and appeared unto many. Appeared. So not only is Christ going to appear, but the dead in Christ is going to appear. He's going to appear in the dead. Did somebody miss that? He is going to appear in the dead in Christ. That will be Christ in his people, raising them up from the dead. It will be an appearing of Christ in the resurrected saints, showing the power of his resurrection. And if you think divine healing is something difficult, let me tell you, bones that have decayed for years and years until there's not a thimble full of them left, or maybe they've been buried in the sea or they're part of nature somewhere out there cast out on the field. It really doesn't matter. He'll gather them all together. 
Amen. Are you with me? You say, now, Brother Tim, he won't even use that body. Brother Branham taught us it is, will not be a, a replacement. It will be a resurrection. If I take and I drop this on the ground, let me, let me do it like this. Put this on the ground. And I come over here. And I pick this up. I have replaced what was there with this. But that's not the resurrection. The resurrection is the same body that went down is the same body that comes up. And if somebody's wondering about that, we'll just go back and look at the resurrection of Jesus. Did he raise something up and leave the body of Jesus in the grave? It's an empty tomb. The same body that went down to the grave is the same body that raised up again. And I tell you, I tell you by the merit of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God has placed a deposit on your body. And it will not remain in a grave somewhere, but when he calls, you'll answer. Because by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he made a claim on your body. Well, it was born in sin. It was shaped in iniquity. Well, it'll come back this time without sin. No iniquity. And it won't be a replacement. It'll be a resurrection appeared to many. This was no imagination. This was no spiritual revelation, though it was very spiritual. But it wasn't a mentalization. This was not even an unfolding of the word, though it was the word unfolded. This was happening. Literally. They appeared. In the Greek, in the Greek it uses the word here that of this appearing, and they appeared, it's a word called emphasizo, and that's Greek, and I'm not Greek, so I stumbled all over it. But it means to manifest, exhibit to view, to show oneself, to come to view, to appear, to be manifest, to, to make known, to indicate, to disclose, declare. Here again, whatever, they were made real. They were, they were real people. Walking around, yet could vanish in an instant, just like Jesus did. Appear here on the road to Emmaus, be found over here cooking fish that he had created. Amen. Come on, somebody. You say, well, he didn't create them fish, brother. Well, how did he get bread and fish on the fire? He created it. To prove he created, he said, you fished all night and hadn't caught nothing, throw your net on the other side. And they caught so many fish until it almost broke. What was that? He proved he was the Messiah, the spoken word. Now, so it is, it's kind of where we get our word emphasis from. It's very similar. You know, they, they come out of the graves and, it wasn't an imagination. 
wasn't a ghost. It wasn't a mirage. It was somebody real. Now, on the morning of the Exodus, as the night comes to an end, Israel is not asleep, and neither will the bride be. She's safely behind the blood, eating the Passover, staff in the hand, making preparations to leave. I'd like to go to 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 1, and we just see we're not asleep. God made sure that we would not be asleep. But the times and the season, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. He says, this is something we know. He'll come as a thief in the night. Now, let's get it clear. How does a thief come? How does a thief come? Yeah, that's a good idea. He sneaks in. He comes and slips in, gets what he wants, and gets away with it without anybody knowing. Right? He didn't come as a thief with a big, big stone this big, and he throws it through the window, the big picture window of the house, and throws it through there with a mighty crash and jumps in and says, Look, everybody! Ha, 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 here I am, I'm a thief. He didn't come that way. He comes real quiet. Slips right in. And he gets what he's after, that hidden treasure, and he slips away with it. And it may be days later. That jewelry, that gold, that money we had. Hey, kids, did you see it? You kids, what have y'all done? I mean, come on, we've got to blame it on the kids, right? Mama, did you go to Walmart? You know what happened to this? It's gone. The money's gone. After a while, you ask all around, well, what happened? We've been robbed. When did it happen? We don't know. But it happened. Somehow, a thief got in and took it while we were not looking. And this is the way he says the rapture is going to be. I'm going to slip in. I'm going to get my bride. I'm taking my treasure away. And the world will go on not even knowing it happened. And they'll wake up in tribulation and say, what in the world is going on? And why is all this tribulation happening? But he's already taken away his people. I know there will be pastors in that time because Brother Branham said some will be going to their pastor's house and come up missing. Some will be going here, there, come up missing. Missing people. Wouldn't it be an awful thing for people to be missing and you left behind? For yourself know perfectly the day of the Lord shall cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. And they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Now notice, he said, it's like a woman expecting a baby 
And she knows it's about to come, but she don't know what hour it's going to come. I remember when Timothy was born, you know, doctor told us she'd be born on November 19th. So I took the doctor at his word. He'll be born on November 19th. That's the day he's going to be born. Well, 19th come and went. There was nothing happening. And so I kept asking my wife, you okay? You feel all right? You know, well, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's good. We go to bed. Two o'clock in the morning, I come awake like this. And I reach over there. I said, are you, you okay? You all right? You feel good? Yeah. No, nothing. I said, okay, go back to sleep. And no more than I said that, pains hit her. Ah! She sat up in bed. Another pain begins to follow on another. And I said, huh, hey, the way this is coming, we better go find the doctor. So I get him up in the middle of the night. I didn't have a phone at that time. I had to go down to my mother's and make a phone call and call the doctor in the middle of the night and said, he said, meet me at the hospital. We were not there 30 minutes and the baby had come. From two to five. You know, it'll come as travail upon a woman with child. And there's no escape in it. A little sister expecting a baby, there's no escaping the travail and the birth pains. It's going to happen. And this coming to the Lord, there's no escaping it. It's going to happen. Amen. Now, for they shall say peace and safety. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should not overtake you as a thief. See, it's dark, but it's light in your dwellings. Amen. There's Passover going on. There's feeding on the lamb. There's readiness. There's preparedness. Waiting for the morning to dawn and the trumpet to sound. And he said, but you brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're going to be expecting it. You're not, you're, you're all the children of light and the children of the day. And we're not as of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Let's be serious and things in moderation. Don't get out of balance. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for the helmet, the hope of salvation. (coughs) I want you to start shouting right on this verse. I shouldn't have to tell you to shout. You ought to just read it and shout. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain deliverance, salvation, or rapture by our Lord Jesus Christ. We have not been appointed to the tribulation. We have not been appointed to be left behind. We have been appointed to salvation, to deliverance, to a rapture, to a going home. It's going home time. Hallelujah. That's what we're appointed to. 
Well, the devil's been telling me, well, God said he's not appointed you to wrath. Well, the devil, well, why don't you just tell the devil he's a liar and he can't speak the truth. Amen. And turn him down. He's a lying to you. God has not appointed you to wrath. He's not appointed you to his anger and his time of anger upon the earth. He's appointed you to a rapture to be changed. So, well, I ain't not what I ought to be. Well, he appointed you to be changed. I'm not good enough, Brother Tim. He's appointed you to a change. I'm not worthy, Brother Tim. He's appointed you to a change. I hadn't prayed enough, Brother Tim. He's appointed you to a change. Amen. I hadn't spent enough time on my knees. I hadn't done penance. I, I hadn't rubbed them sore. I hadn't done this. I hadn't read my Bible like I should. I had, I, 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 I've been a... Well, yeah, you've been a human, but he's pointed you to a change. He had not appointed you to wrath, but he's appointed you to deliverance. First Peter 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us Again, into a lively hope. That's a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's a living hope. But to, oh, listen now. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is why he, he has begotten us. It's our hope because he rose. We're going to rise. Because he was changed, we're going to be changed. He's the captain, the leader of our salvation. He's leading us into deliverance. So it's a lively hope, a living hope to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and fadeth not, that fadeth not away but reserved in heaven for you. Heaven's got a reservation for you. Are you with me now? And it's an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith until unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I want you to get you're kept by the power of God. How come you're still here to this day? How come you're still moving on to this day? How come you're still walking with God to this day? Amen. How come the enemy could not pull you down and stop you? Because you have been kept. By the power of God. Amen. His power was given to you there by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And can I say, like, like Caleb was, I'm as strong today as when I started out. I'm not about to give up the fight, and I'm not about to quit. Amen. I am going to persevere right on to the end. I'm not giving up. I'm not turning around. I'm not denying my faith. I'm going to stand in opposition because I am kept by the power of God through faith, through the revelation given to me. I'm not giving up on nothing. God promised me my children. I'm not giving up on God promised me my marriage. I'm not giving up on it. God promised me salvation. I'm not giving up on it. 
God promised. Oh, hallelujah. Whatever he promised, I'm not giving up. I'm not turning around. I'm not walking out on it. I'm not stopping a minute too soon. The salvation, the deliverance, the rapture ready to be revealed at the last time. This deliverance in the last time is the rapture. Wherefore, or wherein you greatly rejoice, though for a season, if need be, you are in heavenless through manifold temptations. So I rejoice, and that for a season, I'm still, I'm still weighted down with a lot of temptations. I'm besought on every side. You know, the enemy comes on every hand. The enemy comes in like a flood. He comes against me this way, and then he tries that way, and he says this, and he says that. And sometimes I'm in heaviness. My spirit is weary. I can't seem to trudge another mile. It's like I'm stumbling along, but I ain't stopped. But you've fallen down a couple of times, Brother Tim, but every time I did, I was in the path of duty, and he picked me up. And I didn't lay there wallowing in this. I got up. Amen. It ain't he that starts out in the race. It's he that finishes the race, and this is the race I'm going to finish. That no, no matter how many times I fall down, I'm getting up again. No matter how many times I stumble, I'm going to get up again. No matter what anybody calls me or says about me, I'm going to go on. I have taken the way with Jesus. And I'm not going back. Now, the trial of your faith being more precious than that of gold that perishes. <coughs> Though it's tried with fire, we might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This is the whole thing, that I can be found to the praise, the honor, and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, that appearing, that appearing is... You know, infanzo. It's not an imagination. But he show himself, make himself visible. Although the world will not see him, he will only be visible to the elect. Now, you've seen enough and know enough about Brother Branham and his ministry to know most people didn't see the angel. Most people didn't see the pillar of fire as it whirled around the room but they knew it was there. I didn't see it, but I knew it was there. I knew it was there because I knew what it was telling was the truth. That's right. Amen. But, he, but this time, he will make himself visible to his elect. I'd like to share this, this with you, and maybe we'll, we'll have to bring it to a close on this this morning, you know, because... Because I want you just to, to get these thoughts real clear. And, and I'm going to be emphasizing, and when I come back again, I'm going to emphasize it on some more. But he says in the sixth seal, 
God, let the people be quickly awakened, Lord, quickly. How many would feel that way today? Lord, let there be a reawakening in me. Awake my soul, Lord. Amen. Those who have their names put on the book of life, when this flashes across their path, may they see like the little ill-famed woman at the well that day. She recognized quickly, and she knew it was the Scripture. And now, Father, I pray that you receive, that, that all that will receive you at this time in their hearts will settle it forever at this hour, that they're finished with sin, that will rise and make preparation now for public confession of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin to show that they believe God, that God has forgiven them, and they take on the name of Jesus Christ. And then, Father, pour down the Holy Spirit of oil upon them that they may be placed into the service of the Lord, that they might be workers in this last evil day. For we realize we have just a short time, and the church might go at any time. The Lamb might at any time leave the sanctuary up there, or the throne of sacrifice, and come forth from the throne of God where the sacrifice laid, and then it's over. There's no more hopes for the world. She's finished. Then she goes into frustrations of great spasms of earthquakes and great shakings like it was at the resurrection. Now, I want you to, want you to see this. The sixth seal opens. The sixth seal will open there with Great spasms of earthquakes. I wonder, let's just look that up just for a minute. Let's just go to the sixth seal in Revelation. is about chapter 6 or 7, somewhere like that. Let's just look at it. Let's see, where are we? The fifth seal. Sixth seal, verse 12 of chapter 6. Revelation 6. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs, when she's shaken of a mighty wind. And the heavens departed as a scroll, when it's rolled together in every mountain. And an island were, were moved out of the places. And the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men, the cap, chief captains and the mighty men and every bondsman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? So I want you to notice the sixth seal opens up. Now remember, I done went through it, that, uh, that already in the church, that the, the sixth seal opens in a spiritual manner, in the rejection of the word. And judgment begins at the house of God. But now judgment's coming upon the earth. And the sixth seal of God's judgment, this season of time, wherein he pours out the vials of his wrath upon the earth, stored up judgment that have been waiting for this time. It all begins 
at the resurrection. Now, everything I read there doesn't happen the day of the resurrection. This is a Syrian chain of events that takes place during this three and a half years after the resurrection of the bride of Christ. Are you with me? But now notice here, the lamb, he said, might leave the sanctuary up there or the throne of sacrifice and come from the throne of God where the sacrifice laid, and then it's over. There's no more hopes for the world. She's finished. Then she goes into frustrations of great spasms, of earthquakes and great shakings like it was at the resurrection. And as Christ rose from the grave, when the saints, when the saints rise, the same thing will take place. Lord, it could be at any minute. We're watching for that glad day to arrive. Take your children under your arm. Father, now draw your little lambs to your bosom. Grant it, Lord, and feed them on the word till they're in strength for service. What an awesome prayer. Now, Matthew 27, verse 51, let's revisit this. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were open, and many of the bodies which slept arose and came out of the grave at his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. Notice, it is accompanied there with a great earthquake. The earth quaked and the rocks rent. The sixth seal opens with the earth quaking, the rocks renting. Now, it also had opened with the splitting of the veil. Are you with me? The, the resurrection, the beginning of it starts with the splitting of the veil. And what did it reveal when the veil was ripped open, that there was no God there and no mercy there. And what did the opening of the veil do when the veil was ripped off of denominational tradition? It pulled the veil off of the denominational system and showed there's no God there, no blood that will keep you from the tribulation that's coming. And then the sixth seal opens with a great earthquake. And this is not a spiritual earthquake. This is a physical earthquake. And the dead in Christ rises during the time of a great earthquake that comes upon the earth. And you know it's prophesied to be. And just as we've expected the coming of the Lord, we've expected the coming of a great earthquake. And she's quaking all around us now until the earth is in spasms because we're getting closer to what we've ever been. And they appeared to many. I'm going to read these quotes again at another time, but he says, in question answers number 2, 64, he says, see, everything will be finished for the Gentile church when the bride is taken from the earth. Everything finished. This is why Brother Branham has said right there in, in this other quote there, he says, he said, there's no more hopes for the world. She's finished. 
He that the Spirit of God leaves the earth. Listen, church, you don't know what, you can't imagine how bad things are going to get. Because right now, there's a godly people up on the earth that's holding off the wrath of God. The vials of judgment and the judgment cannot strike the earth until the bride is gone. Is somebody with me? You know, as Brother Branham would say himself, you know, that little woman there with her long hair, and they, you know, they're, they're calling a little top knot they got, uh, she got, and they're making fun of her, said, they don't realize it's her godly prayers that's keeping the wrath of God off of the earth. You don't realize even right now, it's your, it's your, the godliness, the godly people that is still here upon the earth. The bride of Jesus Christ is why judgments don't strike the earth. And he said, he that letteth, that's the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that letteth will let until he be taken away. And Brother Branham, when he quotes that, he said, the Holy Spirit that lets, is letting things that's going on, will let until the bride, the Holy Spirit and the bride is taken away. Because when the Holy Spirit lifts from the earth, we're going with it. And I, I tell you what, all you have to do is look around. It's lifting. It's lifting. It's lifting from our schools. It's lifting from our nations. It's lifting from our homes. It's lifting from our churches. It's lifting from our, our politics. Our constitution won't save us. It's lifting. The Spirit of God is lifting everywhere. And because it is lifting, they're falling. And remember, we are seeing right now the, 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 the fall that is going on, they are descending, they are falling and falling and falling. And one thing opens up another and they, they, they make this move and, you know, they, you know, starts here and there and here. Even if you just look at the perversion that's in the land and then it gets accepted here and then it goes down a further degree down and a further degree down and it's just falling. It's a bottomless pit. And the world is falling in a bottomless pit. But I'm going to tell you something. We're not a part of the falling. We are a part of the ascending. That as they fall, we ascend. And we're not getting weaker and weaker. We are rising higher and higher and higher. Because we are not a part of the fall. We are a part of the ascension. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God leaves the earth. He that's filthy will be filthy still. Not another Gentile saved. Gospel goes to the Jews. He that's righteous is righteous still. He that's holy is holy still. In other words, the sanctuary becomes smoky. The attorney, where the attorney stands to plead the case. Christ leaves the sanctuary. His days of mediatorial is over. Let the musicians come. Brother Branham would see Billy Paul when he was a young boy. 
Billy, he, you know, was warned by his daddy as he slipped around as a young person, started smoking. And as he started smoking, you know, he's slipping around, hanging with the wrong crowd. And Brother Brown said, Billy, come here. You know, you're, you're smoking. Oh, no, I'm not smoking, Daddy. He said, don't lie to me. I saw you in a vision. But you've been slipping around. He said, Billy, don't go that way. He formed his hands like this, like a cross. He said, you showed the shadow, and he said, you're right here at a crossroad. This way is death, this way is life. You've got to make the choice. Some of you are at a crossroads today. Decisions you are making will determine your destination. Billy went right on, pushing right on, on and on, just going on about his ways, doing what he wanted to do. He fell into a little water hole while he's out fishing, went to the doctor. Doctor gave him a penicillin shot because of his cold and sickness that he had. He had a reaction. He was dying. Face all swollen up. Lips real big. Eyes shut. Brother Branham's away. The angel of God appears to him and said, Billy's in trouble. Because they can't get to him by phone or anything. He said, something's going on with Billy. Get to a phone. Calls home. We've been trying to get you for hours. Billy's dying. He walks in the hospital and he says, the doctor says, childhood friend of his had seen the dying of hope and the dying of Billy's sister. He said, brother, he said, Billy, Billy, I've killed your, your boy. Billy's dying. I didn't know he was allergic and I've killed him. He's in there dying. There ain't no hopes. He said, yeah, there is hope. He said, Billy's rebelled against God. And God's calling him. And Brother Branham had broken into a vision. And he saw Billy Paul going, and he was tumbling over and over and over through the air, just over and over, going down and down and down and down. Down a downward, spiraling path, tumbling head over heels. And he cried out, God, that's my only son. His mother's died, and I tried to my best to raise him right. And here he's got out in the world and done things, and I've been about your gospel and all of these things, and I've tried my best with I took him up. I'd sleep with him at night with his bottle under my pajamas and try to keep it warm because it was freezing cold in the house and all of that. And we've been through all these tough times, and he don't have a mother, and he's got out with the wrong people, and he's put, pulled away. God have mercy, Lord. Don't let him end up like this. And he said about that time, 
the vision came again. He saw him falling over and over and over and over and over. And when he did, he saw a hand reach out and catch him and bring him in. He went into the hospital room. Billy said, Daddy, I'm dying. Pray for me. He said, Billy, you did the sinning. You do the praying. He said, God's a God of mercy. Billy was not to be a part of the fallen world. A hand reached out and got him. There's a hand reaching out for you today when he reached down his hand for me. You're here today. Maybe you need Jesus. I need him. But you know you've just been stumbling going over and over and over. Same old thing. Not an overcoming life. No power to live the word. And you're here today and you say, I want a hand to reach out to me. Go and take that hand. I believe there's a hand that's appearing right now. That's saying there's a God rich in mercy, a God rich in grace that'll stop the fall that you've been in. So what have I got to do, Brother Tim? You know what you got to do. You did the sinning, you got to do the praying. I pray for you all. I can. And I pray over every sermon I ever preach. Then I walk out here and I say, God, lead me. I don't ever know how a sermon's going to turn out because it's not scripted. And even if it is, I may not follow the script. Just follow his nudging. He's speaking to you today. Won't you hear this call? You know where you've been called? You know where you've been lacking your life? You know the out of balance that you're in. I point them out to you and you get angry about it and pout about it. Well, I won't even come. And why don't you just realize that the Holy Spirit is lifting? And I want to be a part of those that goes with it. I don't want to be a part of the fallen. And I've fallen far enough. Oh, hand of God, reach out for me today. Reach out for me. While you have your heads bowed just for a minute, will you just talk to the Lord? Just let him deal with your heart. If that love isn't there, if that meekness isn't there, if that sweetness of the Spirit of God isn't there, if that dedication isn't there, isn't it time? you quit falling why go deeper why go any further down call out to him now 
there's a hand to reach out, touch you, grab you, bring you in. Amen. Just so that you acknowledge right now that God's speaking to your heart. You say, that's me, Brother Tim. I, I, I need that in my life. I've got that coldness. I've got that things that you've been describing. I'm out of balance. I don't have moderation. I'm not walking soberly. I, I'm not where I ought to be with Christ. I, I need that, that readiness. I need that sincerity and that dedication in my life. Would you just raise your hand to God just to acknowledge that to him right now? Amen. I was lost. I was undone. I was without God. Only son. When he reached down his hand for me. Oh, yes, now. When he reached down his hand. Oh, he's reaching out to you right now. Oh, I was lost and then 